Mud Stories, Episode 12. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. In my mind, I'd done everything right. I'd prayed, I'd believed, I'd spoken the word, you know, all the stuff, all the Christian stuff that we do to make God be our little genie in a bottle. We just forget, we box him in. And he just had to, to teach me, to, to show me that he was worth it if I, he gave me nothing else. You know, that, that my job is to love him for who he is, not what he gives me. But God, he wasn't after my happiness. That's not as important to God. And. And the way I, I've always said it is, he's not after my happiness, but my highest good. And he knew where he wanted to take me. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I have a fantastic episode for you today. Today I'm talking with Kate Battistelli, an empty nester who's been married to Mike for 30 years. She's the mother of recording artist Francesca Battistelli and Mimi to Franny's two children, Eli and Audrey Jane. Kate's a Jersey girl currently living in Atlanta, writing about God, food, family, and hospitality, and she loves creating and sharing easy recipes using whole foods and organic ingredients. She has said that if you come to her house, you'll get chocolate and muffins, a big pot of French press coffee, and amazing conversation. And for some reason, I so believe she's right. Kate is the author of Growing Great Kids, Partner with God to Cultivate His Purpose in Your Child's Life, and her second book, The God Dare, will be releasing soon. In this episode, Kate shares the story of her struggle through fertility challenges and failed adoptions with life not going as she'd planned, and she also describes the anger she had toward God through the process and how she came to deal with that anger. We discuss the different ways we hear God and His direction, the importance of mentors in our lives, how to recognize the giftings of our kids, and help them dream big dreams. We talk about how our faith in God should not be based on what we get from Him, the intricate practice of walking a life in humility, and the truth that God has a bigger picture in mind for each of us as we surrender to His maturing us as His children and how God never wastes even one thing. You know, I'm so blessed by this conversation that I had with Kate Battistelli, and I think you're going to be too, and I cannot wait for you to hear the wisdom and the experience and the encouragement that she has to share. So without further delay, enjoy. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm really so excited to have you here, and thank you so much for agreeing to join me today. Oh, you're welcome, Jackie. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, I love it. You know, I remember meeting you for the first time in person last year at the Illum Conference, but I actually got to see you and talk to you more this last year in August at the Declare Conference. Yep. And it's 
I, I know I say this all the time and probably my listeners are getting tired of hearing it, but it's so amazing when you have an online relationship with somebody and then you meet them in person, it just, it's so encouraging and it just adds a connection that you wouldn't otherwise have had. So I loved meeting you and talking with you this last August. Well, thank you. It was wonderful. And I, and I agree that that's one of the just best things about going to some of these conferences. And I'm sure it's true, whether it's a writer blogger conference or any kind of conference that that connection that in real life connection is is just it's vital and it it just changes everything you know these people that you've suddenly met now and talked to and you really get to know their heart Uh, I love it I love it too (laughs) well I know that what God has done in your life isn't exactly the dream you had dreamed but has been a life that he's given for not only your ultimate good but for the good of so many so Take us back to the beginning. How did the mud look to you in your life? How did it all begin? Well, you know, I never really thought of it as mud until you know, just being on your site and listening to some of your podcasts and and thinking about it that 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 really is where I was living. I I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I mean, we went to church to, you know, regular American denominational church, but I didn't know that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus until much later in life. And I think because of that, and I grew up in the 50s and 60s and 70s mm-hmm. during the crazy turmoil of the, of America during that time, it really was a crazy time to be a teenager. And I just got off on the wrong path, you know, got involved with boys way too young, just started doing things like I was telling you before. When it was when I graduated from high school and it was time to go to college, I did not know what I wanted to do, and I actually went to four colleges in two years. Uh, two, yeah, four colleges in two years, and I didn't graduate from any of them. So, just, <laughs> well, that gives us all hope. There's hope. Yes, <laughs> but then I ultimately um, found my way into musical theater because I had always loved to sing. I knew that I could sing. Just didn't know how to. How do you make a life out of that? Well, you know, you have to know, you and I have this in common. You don't know this, but my husband and I actually met doing musical theater. And in high school, I did shows my whole time and throughout college. And we love musical theater. I mean, one of my husband's favorite shows he was in was called Forever Plaid. And yeah, uh, yeah, so when when I heard that about your story, I was like, yes, another musical theater person. Oh, and I'm a complete nerd. I mean, my husband, especially (laughs) anything from like, you know, before the 80s, before before Broadway kind of got crazy. Oh yeah. I yeah. love the old classic stuff. That's probably just a reflection of my age, but um, No, nope, I love it too. Yeah, I mean there's just nothing yeah. like live theater. We are when when our daughter was young, we lived in Orlando for most of her growing up and that's where everybody goes. You know, we lived in the town where everybody comes for vacation. All she wanted to do was go to New York and see Broadway shows. So we would do that, you know, every few years we would just go, we'd see four or five shows and the ballet and just, you know, all that culture that you get in New York. So anyway, that's just a little aside, but, um, awesome. So you got into musical theater, got involved in musical theater Ended. I lived in New Jersey at the time, which is, and we were quite close to New York city. And, and after getting a couple of years of great experience in a wonderful, um, local theater in New Jersey, I ended up thinking, well, hey, maybe I could really do this and started auditioning in New York. And, you know, just one thing led to another. My my resume grew, did a lot of regional theater and off, well, really off, off, off Broadway, things like that. And then eventually I was cast as the understudy for the leading role in The King and I. It was a big tour that was going out in 1981 starring Yul Brynner. And if you've ever seen the movie, he's the guy in the movie from the 50s. And he he had made a 
a career of playing the king in The King and I, well, they were doing a tour, and I auditioned for the part of the understudy of Mrs. Anna, the school teacher. And I got cast, remarkably, because I was pretty young. I was 26 at the time. Well, I learned the show, went out. It was going to be out for a couple of years, thinking I'll never get to go on. You know, leading ladies don't get sick. They don't want their understudies to go on, so it's just not going right. to happen. But, you know, you have to know what you're doing. Well, two months into the run of the show, the leading lady gets sick. I end up going on for two weeks. I filled in for her, and um, then she came back, and I went back to the chorus. Well, Yul Brynner did not like performing with her. They didn't get along particularly well, so they ended up buying out her two-year contract and giving me the part, which, I mean, it's like 42nd Street, you know, the understudy goes on to become a star. Right. (laughs) But for me at 26 years old, I mean, this was a huge opportunity yeah. And a, a, a wonderful role of a lifetime. I mean, it's probably one of the greatest roles for a woman in musical theater. Mm. And I got to do that part for almost three years, a thousand performances with Yul Brynner. It's where I met my husband. And we really, truly did fall in love across the footlights because he joined the cast as um, the assistant conductor. So he was down in the pit. And I know he's a conductor. Down yeah, he's a he, you know, with my no college degrees, he has his doctorate. So I figured that kind yeah. of kind of you balance out. each other out. Yeah, <laughs> makes me look a little smarter. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, we met and fell in love and got married. And it wasn't until we until after that, after I'd left the tour and and all of that, that we met the Lord. And we uh, that's a whole other story. But we both met mm. the Lord together on the same night in a in a. Um, a church in on the last stop on the F train in Jamaica, Queens. Anybody that knows wow. New York knows that's a long subway ride. But anyway, we met the Lord. And then shortly after that, the Lord really called us out of that life. He, he really basically told us to turn our backs on making our living and trying to build a career in the, in the New York Broadway musical theater world and leave. Well, it's just such a difficult challenge to be a believer in that industry. Yes. Hugely, hugely difficult. And because we were young believers, brand new believers, I think had Mm -hmm. we been raised that way, it's a very different thing because you may well be called into that. But I think there, there's just so much capacity to compromise and I'm sure we Mm -hmm. would have. So the Lord was just like, no, you're done out, which he's done with us. Many times in our lives, I call them, you know, God's little 90 degree turns where it's like, you're going this way. No, you're not. You're turning left. You know, so Kate, just practically talk to us about hearing God like that, because you you're saying God called you out. But like, practically, how does that look like when we're looking for God's direction and his, you know, what he's calling us to? I mean, was it something you read in his word? Was it a a advice, wisdom that someone that knew you gave? Or was it a, a small, quiet a voice that you heard in your spirit? Like what practically did that look like? I think for us more than anything, it was just conviction. It was just unknowing it. And we probably didn't even know what that word was at the time, mm-hmm. you know, because you'd hear enough things or read things and think, wait a minute, just something is not, something's not gelling here. And, and I think as you obey the Lord and follow him and learn to listen. You know, it's a process. Yeah. We, we don't get it perfectly in the beginning. And I mean, who knows? We could have made the wrong decision, although I really don't think so when I see how our, how our lives have turned out. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, there's so many ways to hear the Lord. You know, it, it might be in a dream. It might be something, you're, something you hear on TV. It can be anything that kind of just makes you go, that's for me. But don't you think it's a posture of wanting to hear him too? Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, and I just would hate for people to think, oh, well, God 
called Kate, you know, and he's not doing that to me. So what's wrong with me? And and I think (laughs) it's important for everybody to, for all of us to know, you know, and be reassured in our own journeys with God that he is with us and he's next to us. And if we're, if we ask him for wisdom and we say, God, I want to hear you help me to know. And he gives us those small reassurances in our heart, don't you think? And then puts things in our paths for us to open our eyes and see. And sometimes we just have to look at the conviction of the moment and make a decision decision based on even just what his word says. It's not like we need some magic epiphany, right? Right, Exactly. And you know, so many times in the Bible, it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mm -hmm. So I pray, I said, Lord, give me those ears that can hear your spirit. Give me those eyes that can see. And, and as we obey, and even if we obey imperfectly, if we, if we obey what we think he's saying, and it's not him, because people are sometimes, oh, I don't want to make a decision, because what if it's not God? Right. I tell him, look, if it's not God, just like he did with Paul all through the book of Acts, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will stop you. That's you know, right. Paul would say, I want to go here. I feel like I'm supposed to go here. And the Holy Spirit would be like, no, you're not going there. You're going here. And right. it's just, it's, but it's, you just learn it. And he works it all for good. And he Amen. honors our surrender to him. He he's not going to be all tricky and sneaky and, oh, she's not going to find the way. You right. know, he wants to reveal a way to us and he's faithful to meet us there, even if we mess up. So, exactly. okay. So you got called out of that. So then what? So we left that world behind and, and we, well, by this time we had had our daughter, we got, let's see, we got married, then got saved, then got pregnant and had our daughter okay. Francesca. And uh, then moved to the suburbs, moved to New Jersey for a few years until we ended up down in Orlando where she was raised. And, um, you know, just changed our lives, had a home business. We were homeschooling, all of that stuff. And I thought, okay, I'm the mom who wants five kids. I I don't mind chaos. I love all that. You know, just I imagine children and dogs and cats and, and craziness in my life. And and we, you know, we just kept trying and nothing was happening. And eventually I did get pregnant again and it ended up being an ectopic or tubal pregnancy, which, yeah. you know, your body can't sustain. Right. Um, once that was over and we realized, all right, that didn't work out the way we'd planned. I guess Franny was about two and a half when that happened. Mm-hmm. And um, we tried some different fertility surgery and different things and nothing was working. And they basically told us, your only mm-hmm. option is adopting. And I thought, okay, all right, Lord, we can do that. And we tried three times and three times the adoptions oh. fell through. It was just like okay. everything just conspired to to say, no, you're not having more children. Three times. Yeah, it was frustrating. I mean, one time we were going into a country, the country mm-hmm. closed. Um, you know, we were trying private adoption, the girl would change her mind or the parent or the, you know, the father would want the baby just, and we got, Oh, that, that journey is so painful. It's so painful. Cause you know, you do the home study, you do all that. You get oh, yeah. so excited to have this baby, but yeah. you know, through all that, God really was, was teaching me a lot of things. And I mean, it was a long journey cause it took me a long time to come to grips with the fact that you're going to be the mom of an only child. And is that okay? You know, the Lord just, Mm -hmm. it just took a long time for me to kind of get it through my thick head. Really probably about, I don't know, eight or 10 years. It was not a quick thing. It wasn't like, oh, I get this Lord. I'm cool with it. It was very hard for me because especially as a, still a rather new Christian, you know, you read that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And I think, well, Lord, this is a desire of my This father. is my desire, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be a good father. A good father gives gifts to his children. And mm-hmm. I would yell at God. I mean, I, it's embarrassing to say now, but truly, on those nights when I couldn't sleep, 
I would go, you know, across the house into my husband's office, just sit on the floor and cry and yell at the Lord and literally say, I can't believe that you would treat your child this way. If I, I would never do this to my child. How can you withhold this? So you were angry at God, very angry. Oh, really angry, angry. And I, I was not wanting to forgive the Lord. I mean, it was his fault in my mind. I'd done Mm. everything right. I prayed, I believed, I'd spoken Mm -hmm. the word, you know, all the stuff, all the Christian Mm -hmm. stuff that we do to make God be our little genie in a bottle. We just forget, we box him in. And he just had to to teach me, to, to show me that he was worth it if I, he gave me nothing else, you know, that, that my job is to love him for who he is, not what he gives me. Just like with our husbands or our children, we love them for who they are. We don't love our husband because he brings us stuff or gives us gifts. We, we love him because he's wonderful, you know, well, most of the time. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in, in that anger, how did you, I mean, because there's a lot of people who might choose to turn their back on God. And, and so, how how did you, in that enormous amount of time that it took to process through and allow God to teach you what he is actually going to end up doing, how did you make that decision that you weren't going to walk away from God when you were angry at him? I think for me, probably having lived in the world for so long, I, I knew what I knew what that was like to to reject God, to not live for him, to not to not be pursuing him. And I'm a lifelong student. Yeah. I love to learn. I love to study. I love to read the word. You know, it's just how I am. And, and the thought of not having that as part of my life mm-hmm. just was too much. It was, I was, it, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's funny. I've never really thought about why I didn't walk away, but I think just because I knew, well, what's my alternative? You know, I mean, it's not going to be anything good. What am I going to go off and you know, what, what would I do? What would that look like? So it, it's just easier. Well, and I, I think it's so key what you're talking about, how it's, it's important to understand that we can be angry with God and he can handle that. Mm-hmm. But also that our faith isn't based on what we get from God. And it's not like this genie in the bottle kind of mentality or this transactional thing. It's like God is interested in our ultimate good. And it's hard for us to accept that as his children, it's easier for us to be parents and try to implement that for our children. But when we're the child and God is our father, it makes it a more challenging experience and we get angry. However, our faith is not necessarily based on our feelings. We have evidence to believe that what we actually hold to be true is actual truth. And maybe that can sustain us as we look at the evidence for why God is real and for why Jesus is who he said he is. And in those desperate, angry moments, just know he wants us to come to him with our anger and he wants us to talk to him and be real with him because that's what a real relationship is. And oftentimes, don't you think relationships grow when we have those blowups, we have anger, we have conflict. (laughs) And, And then the intimacy of the relationship just bumps up a few notches because you've had that history together and you've struggled and wrestled and then you come out on the other side. So it's less of a superficial relationship that gets cultivated too. So, um, I think, I think it's okay. I love that you're saying it's okay to be angry with God because there are situations in all of our lives when we just don't like it at all. Well, when it just doesn't make sense, you know, when it just, none of it Mm -hmm. made sense to me, but also during this time, after we'd moved down to Florida, we started attending a church that had just a, a, 
a strong group of godly women who really became mentors for me. And they had something with the Lord that I didn't have. You know, they would talk about him like the lover of their soul and that they were, they were in love with him in a way that I had never experienced. You know, to me, it was just more, well, we love God and, and, and we respect him and we obey him and all of that. But they had something just deeper in terms of the relationship. And I saw that and wanted that so that, so throughout all of this time of just feeling frustrated and ticked off and not understanding, I was also developing this other side of just, but I want you like that, Lord. You know, I want to know you that way. I would leave these times together with these women just in tears thinking, what am I doing wrong? What do they have that I don't have? And, and it Mm. took me a while to kind of figure out what that was we have to learn, I think, as American Christians, because our lives are, are relatively easy compared to, well, certainly compared to Christians in a lot of parts of the world today where there's so much just horror going on. But, you know, God is not just about our happiness. And we kind of think that, you know, well, if, yep. if I do my part, Lord, then you do yours. If I do what I'm supposed to do as a Christian and bless people and do this and do that, then you are obligated to bless me. But God, he wasn't after my happiness. That's not mm-hmm. as important to God. And um, the way I, I've always said it is he's not after my happiness, but my highest good. And he yeah. knew where he wanted to take me. And it took me really until it was, a, it was at a some type of a women's conference. I can't even remember right now, but it was during a worship time. And I was just worshiping the Lord. And I just sensed him say, I never hear an audible voice in my, in my mm-hmm. ear, but I just sensed in my spirit God saying, mm-hmm. am I enough? You know, am I enough just as I am with nothing else? You know, if if you got nothing else from me for the rest of your Mm. life, am I enough? It's powerful. And, you know, like, like Moses, you know, when he he was there, it's like, I am. Yeah, he is. He's, he's all we need. And, And it took me a long time. And that's when I kind of broke and just let all that go and said, Lord, I, mm. I forgive you. I mean, in my mind, I yeah. not that you can forgive God, but yeah. I was holding a grudge. I was mad. And it was just, I just had to release that and say, God, you know what, whatever you pick for me, you get to pick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't have a say. And we think, I guess we just think we have a right to, to all this. And we, we really don't, we have to kind of give up our right to ourself and to our life yeah. and to our life looking the way we think it should. And then all along, we didn't realize when our daughter was young, just where God was taking her, Mm. you know, but, um, as she started to get older and we thought, oh, wait a minute, there's something here. I I knew from the time she was little, probably she was going to go into the arts with my husband's and and my background and all of that. And she kind of just showed gifts and things early on. So we actually put her in dance when she was four years old in ballet and she danced for 12 years. We thought I was convinced when she was 10, 11, 12 she would be a ballerina. This is where God was taking her. But um, she's developed some some back issues and uh, that just ended. You know, that just was not going to be a possibility. She still danced, but she was never going to be able to be a ballerina. But at the same time, he was also getting her involved in music. She was taking voice lessons. There was still a good amount of professional theater back there, back in Orlando then. And um, Franny actually got involved in quite a bit of it. She and I were able to do a, a number of shows together. So she got a lot of, started getting tons of good experience in theater, in voice lessons with, she'd been doing dance for all these years. But, you know, once the dance, once we knew that dance was not going to be her future, the Lord just started opening up 
the right voice teacher, the right this, the right that. One thing just led to another to where, you know, by the time she was 16, 17, we were thinking, okay, there's something here, you know, with the music industry. And she, we bought her a guitar. She learned to play, started, started writing good songs. And we thought, okay, there's, there's a talent there. And that's, and there's a lot of great singers out there, but in the music industry, they're always looking for singer songwriters. They want ones that can write. So, and she had a definite skill for that. So, you know, it was just then just a, a matter of continuing to, um, help her build all that up. My husband and I, what we learned that God doesn't waste anything. You know, the training that you get, you may not be using it right now, but he is going to bring it back. I mean, just look at Moses. You know, he was trained for 40 years in leadership. And then for 40 years, he's in the back of a desert going, well, I guess I must have missed it. You know, can you just imagine (laughs) Moses thinking, I was certain that I was supposed to be you know, leading the Israelites into the promised land. I know I was supposed to do this, but gosh, I can't figure out what happened. You know, it's all in the fullness of time. It's when God's ready. It's not just because we're ready, because sometimes God's just not ready for what he has called us to. So, Well, and he sees a view that we can't even see. Exactly. Yeah. So it was interesting, you know, so one thing led to another and we finally realized, okay, it just seems like the music business is, is probably where she's headed, but yet she still went to college, got her degree, did all that. And, you know, until finally, I mean, there, that's the whole other story is how she got a record deal when she wasn't even living in Nashville. You're just like, okay, most of these artists have to go live there and waitress for five years before right. anything happens. And, <laughs> right. you know, here she is in Orlando and it, it just all happened. But that's how you know it's the Lord. It's a God story. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally yeah. a God story. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, as you were as you were noticing these abilities in her, I mean, I have, you know, four elementary age kids. They're six, eight, ten, and 12. And as she was in those formative stages, how did you as parents recognize what maybe were her natural bent? What, what maybe were her natural giftings? So that you could expose to that and and check it out and see, is that something? Because I think as our kids grow, it's important to expose them to things so they even know or realize what their giftings are, what their interests are. So how did that work as you were raising her? I think we just knew when she was around four, we just, you know, you have a four-year-old little girl who likes to dress up and sing and dance and, you know, do all that stuff. We thought, Mm -hmm. okay. Plus, she was a bit of a drama queen, so we both, <laughs> we both kind of thought, "All right, let's." We we knowing the musical theater world, I kind of wanted to keep her away from that, just because I knew what was all involved with that. But ballet, I thought that's beautiful and graceful, and if nothing else, she'll just learn to carry herself well. And let's do that. So she went into ballet, and of course, loved it. Took to it like a little fish to water, and so because she loved that. And I thought, all right, there does seem to be a bent towards the arts. Let's try to expose her to things. So, you know, the local ballet theaters doing the Nutcracker at Christmas time, we would go to see that. We would take her to see things, expose her to Broadway musical movies, you know, the old movies like Oklahoma and the great old shows and just started sort of exposing her more and more to some of these things to see just exactly what you're saying. Find out what what is it that that kind of gets them excited? She always loved to write. From the time she was little, she wanted to write stories. I mean, her fun afternoon would, Mom, I wrote this story, you know, and she just, she loved it. And I think there's a future as a writer for her, you know, when when this season in her life changes a little bit. But, um, yeah, 
you know, I think that's important that as parents, we do, we have to press in with God and say, okay, help me dig deep with this child. What are the gifts and the talents? What did you put in my child that I can now dig deep, bring it out, help to polish it up? Because it's not all just going to happen. You know, I mean, for some of us like myself, I didn't have a family that did that for me. They didn't say to me, Kate, you're wonderful. You should go, you know, have a career on Broadway. You should go to college. You should sing. I just never had that kind of, I don't know, maybe because I was the middle child, there just wasn't that interest. They were, they were always dealing with my older brother, older sister with their problems or the younger, the baby with, you know, yeah. her issues. And I kind of always felt like, I guess it's that classic middle child thing. Yeah. Just sort of skipped over like, well, what are, you'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Well, it'll come it took along. Me a while. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it took me a long time. I did figure out what I wanted to do, but that's not the typical way it goes. And if we, if we know the Lord and we can pray and kind of just dig in with him and say, okay, God, show me what it is. He's not going to hand it to you typically on a silver platter. You know, right. he's not going to say, he never said to us, well, your daughter's going to be a, you know, Christian music, number one album, bestseller, whatever. Mm-hmm. He never told us that. He just let us see that one thing led to another. Okay. And we just kept kind of peeling back the layers and add this and let's try that and see how that goes. And you're going to know because you know your child, you know, mm-hmm. you know what they're good at. You know, if they're interested in sports or no, they're way more artsy or this is the quiet one that would rather be home, you know homemaking or whatever. No, this is the one who, you know, we got to get them in an acting class because they love to be at the front of the room. You, you know that with your own children, but it's a matter of just praying and seeking the Lord because he's already planned out their life. Yeah. You know, he's already done it. He says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows everything about our, our lives from the day we're conceived. So it's just our job, I think, as parents to, to seek him in that with our kids, you know, now they won't all always figured out when they're young. Some kids just don't know till they're late till till later. Most kids will change their college major four or five times. That's typical. Franny did that too. She started out as a musical theater major and it was just for her trying to also do do a music career, it was it, there was just too much commitment. They just didn't allow you to do anything other than their shows. Right, you had to do so shows she, all year long, yeah, yeah. All year long. Yeah. So she she changed and switched to creative writing, which was great and helpful for her, for her current career. So, yeah, but you know, so not everybody's going to, you're not always going to know right away, but at least you can kind of get them going in the right direction. Cause I think for a lot of kids, you will know, yeah. you know, you're going to know young there, there, God has a career for them in sports. Well, if they're going to go into professional sports or professional music or professional anything, if it's at that level, it's going to take a lot more of a commitment on the parents part. I mean, you think of these moms of Olympic athletes, these girls who are 14 doing Olympic gymnastics, that is their life, you know, but you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it takes a lot of dedication. You better know before you jump into something like that, that that's where your child is called. You know. Right. And and part of that is just spending time with your kids and really noticing in them, seeing them and exactly. their, their dreams. Um, and is that what you recommend as far as dreaming big dreams with your children? I mean, do you do you bring to mind what you see in them or do you let them bring it up? What what's your best advice for that as we see things that we see them being excellent at or excelling at or interested in, how do we come alongside them and help them dream big too? I I am a big believer in dreaming big. I think 
typically in America, we just keep the bar way too low with our kids, with ourselves, with our families. We always set a pretty high threshold of excellence because Franny's that way. She's just naturally, if she's going to do it, she wants to do it the best she possibly can. And my husband's that way and I'm that way. It just, we, we, we call it the land of good enough. You know, there's just way too many people that are happy to live in the land of good enough. Well, it's enough, you know, it's fine. Don't, don't worry about it. It'll be, you'll, we'll do, we do just enough not to get fired and they'll pay us just enough so we don't quit. And I just have never felt like that's, the right way to go, especially probably being in professional theater where the standards are so high, yeah. you have to work hard. You have to keep your skills up. You, you just can't afford to slack off because the competition isn't slacking. You know what I mean? So, and it's not about, oh, my child has to be a success and make a lot of money. It's just that, look, if they have a dream, they want to become a doctor. Well, great. Be a doctor and go to the best school you can go to. Maybe you're the guy or the girl who's going to find the cure for cancer. Why can't we put that in the, in their mind, you know, to, to, to go for the best one? I'll tell you a little story. When Franny was, I don't know, probably 16 or 17, because we're a musical and theater family, we always watch the award shows, always watch the Grammys. And at that time, when she was 16, she was in this little three-girl pop group, kind of, a, kind of like a Destiny's Child for, for, you know, just little American white girls. But they were actually really good, and they were doing quite well. And, um, we watched the Grammys and I just said, Franny, I don't know what to tell you. I just know that you're going to be up there one day. And she would cry because I knew this is what she wanted. And my husband would be like, Kate, I think, you know, don't set her up. Don't set things so high that, you know, she's going to feel like she failed if she didn't achieve it. And I said, I can't, I, I can just tell you, this is what the Lord's showing me. And it wasn't till seven, eight years later, after her first album came out and her first song, Free to Be Me, which most of you may, mm-hmm. may have heard it if you know her music, mm-hmm. which was the first number one single by a female in eight years when that came out, which wow. just alone is just like, okay, Lord. Astounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that year in September, the Lord started nudging me to pray about the Grammys again. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is crazy. She's the first album that never happens, but whatever. He just kept kind of putting it in my mind to pray that she gets a Grammy nomination. So I'm praying and praying and praying. Come December, when the Grammys are on, they what you see on TV is only the top 10 categories. There's like 70 or 80 Grammy categories, all the Spanish categories, the classical, the jazz, all of that, all the Christian. You don't right. see any of that on TV. Well, we're watching, and I finally say, I can't stand this. I'm going into the computer, and I'm going to look and see what other nominations came out. And I'm reading, you know, gospel, I forget the exact category, but her name popped up. And uh. I just, I screamed. I said, my <laughs> come and tell me if this is real. Cause I just thought I, this can't be what I'm seeing. And he looked, and, uh, you know, but it, and she, yeah, I don't win. think you can get the name Battistelli wrong. Maybe Smith or Jones or something, <laughs> but not Battistelli. <laughs> no, it's kind of a tough one, but, and yeah. she didn't end up winning, but it was just like the Lord was saying, see, you know, some, sometimes he shows us stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he will show you something for your child. That's way bigger than, than you would ever want to believe, you know, because I think we have lost the capacity to dream. Don't you think? I mean, well, we're afraid, we're afraid to dream because what if our dream doesn't come true and then we'll be embarrassed or humiliated or even to our own selves, you know? Yeah. So we limit. Yeah. Or what if we fail? Yeah. It's easier to not dream. And then we, at least we don't get the failure feeling, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so I think for a lot of us, we just, we don't, or we've stopped dreaming because whatever dreams we have didn't come to pass. 
you know, and, and, and not everybody is called to do something big in that way, but everything's big. Even if we're, you know, s- small things can be really big in the kingdom, you know, being a, a neighbor that's pressing into the people around you and loving them and, and being the fragrance of Jesus and just showing who he is without having to tell someone you have to become a Christian, you know, just loving people, raising your kids to follow the Lord is a huge thing. I'm not saying everybody has to, you have to raise a child to be famous or to make a lot of money. That's not success to me. Success is you find out what is it God's called your child to do. Maybe that's being a missionary in a third world country. You know, maybe that's being a mom or a dad or a pastor or an anything, being an excellent teacher. Anybody who's ever had a good teacher you know what that impact is on your love of learning or have, I know you're a nurse. Yes. That to have, if you've been in the hospital and had a great nurse, I mean, there's nothing better when you're sick than to have someone who, who serves you and loves you and takes care of you and does all the stuff that, mm. you know, we wouldn't want to do for somebody, but there's somebody that, that yeah. has the anointing to do that. That's success to me. So if you can help your child find that, whatever it is, and for some people, it is a, a bigger a bigger call, you know, maybe a more of a, a national or a, or a international call. Who knows? What. And yet the call to do whatever it is, is a call to die to self, to mm-hmm. have integrity and humility, because, you know, even more so when you're in a spotlight where many people are aware of who you are, um, it's important. But even in the small ways that we serve, whatever we're called to be, having that character quality of humility is so important. And I think cultivating that in our kids, I know it's becoming a challenge for me. It's just such a hard thing, even as a grown woman to die to self and to Mm -hmm. cultivate an attitude of humility when you want to respond in a certain way and choosing not to and Mm -hmm. just realizing life isn't all about me and it's not about me being happy, but about God working through my life to bless those who are around me and for him to be glorified through whatever he gives to me. And I think teaching our kids to do that, don't you think? Because I'm sure you instilled that in, in your daughter because... Because, you know, her, for her ability to handle the situation God's given her now is highly dependent upon all of the character quality development that happened along the way, I'm guessing. it Very much so. And with Franny from the time she was young, I mean, I always told her from the time she was little that she was a world changer. And I think that's a good thing to tell our kids because they all are in some in some area, whatever area God is calling them, they can change the world. So I told her that from the time she was little, but I also always, you know, balance that by saying the Lord will only raise you up to the degree you are willing to go low. Mm -hmm. So the lower you go, the higher he can take you. And she's seen that in her life over and over. And we used to joke because we had many opportunities to be humble and uh, to walk in humility many <laughs> yes. times where, you know, she should have gotten mom, I should have been cast in this role. And they gave me this crummy role, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And she was never ungrateful in that way. But just whatever it was, we, we would joke and I'd say, Franny, we just need to make up t-shirts that say 1-800-HUMBLE-ME. Because <laughs> it would happen so I often. I love so that. Today, when something she'll text me about something, I'll say, just dial 1-800. And she knows right where I'm going. Humble me. Yeah, she just, it, it still happens, you know, n- no matter what things occur in her life where mm-hmm. she's just like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't even believe that that just happened. But 
it's just, it gives, God will always give us those opportunities to walk in humility. And that, that doesn't go away. The older you get, you know, that I hate to tell you, you're, I know, you know, <laughs> I know. Don't even tell me how much change. more, many more opportunities I'm going to have to die to is, self. <laughs> the good thing is that, that our response gets more quick just gets quicker, you know, where we, where it happens, it's like, I can go through all kinds of nonsense, or I can just go, you know what, Lord, I just not even going to worry about, I'm just going to give up and say, that's fine. And pray for that person or or whatever, you know, we we only learn to do those things. How do you, how do you love someone that spitefully uses you unless you've been spitefully used? You know, how do you bless those who curse you until you've been cursed? We say these scriptures, but God will make us live them out. You know, there, yeah. there's really nothing. If we're really following him and pursuing him with all our hearts, I don't think there's much we're, we're not going to have walked through by, by the time we get yeah. to heaven, you know? Well, and that's why sometimes we're given things that we don't exactly like because he knows. He knows yeah. what we need to exactly. get our character cultivated to become more like him. And, um, you know, I think that practice makes perfect saying there can be some truth to that because like you said, as we practice going lower and we practice dying to self and we practice humility, it does make the next situation, the next difficulty somewhat easier, but only because we know that God's on the other side and he's going to be faithful to us. You know, we humble ourselves before God and he is the one that lifts us up. And so as you dreamed, you know, your dream was to have many kids. You would have loved that. Mm-hmm. And you were angry at God in those early years. Mm-hmm. How now, looking back, can you see God's purpose in all of that mud, in, in giving you only one child, in, in taking you through the journey that it, that it was? What have you seen God do from the mud? Well, it's, it's caused me to, to just want to know him better, to love him better. It's, it's caused me to want to be, be all that he wants me to be, if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense to like, just, I don't know. It's that intimacy you were longing for that those other women had now has come to fruition. Yeah, it has. And, and, And though there's still times where I regret, you know, when you only have one, you you just there when she when she went and it was, it was the whole empty nest thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it was an empty nest. It was this was she was it for how many years she lived home. Yeah. And all of a sudden she was gone into her life. And, and we still talked all the time. We still they're coming this weekend and we're going to see them and we yeah. get to see them a lot. But it's still you know, there's still times where you get where I get a little wistful and think, mm-hmm. it would be nice to have three or four other kids to call or to do yeah. something with. But this is what God's given me. And I just have to accept that he knows best. He knows better than I do. And I do have two grandchildren. So I'll tell you that, that satisfies a lot of the, uh, certainly a lot of the chaos and crazy when they're, when they're here. (laughs) We have a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Because they're little, they're just four and two right now. So, so but it's tons of fun, you know, so I get a little taste of what it would have been like. Um, But, you know, I've just learned to, to just try to accept that, that I, I have a, saying that I've written some stuff about this, but you know how God allows in his wisdom, what he could prevent with his power. God could have given me what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but he knew what I needed. He knew what Franny needed. You know, he knew that she needed us to give her our full attention for those years. And that's not true of every, every family and every child. And if, 
if you have an only child, that's not necessarily the reason why, if you're not, if you've only been able to have the one, I don't know what it's, what the reason is for everybody. Cause I imagine right. it's going to be a little bit different, mm-hmm. but for me, that was important. And, you know, to know that there, there's, uh, there's things about God I'm not going to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, there's stuff I'm just, I have to be able to, it has to be okay with me sometimes to go, you know what, Lord, I'm going to let this one go till heaven till you can explain this to me and I can understand it. But I'm not going to not love you because you didn't give me the, what I considered the desire of my heart. But I have him and that's the desire. You know, if we're right. really pursuing him, his desires become ours. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've that. noticed probably more than anything that I don't want those things anymore that I used to want. You know, I mm-hmm. just, I just want him more and more and to, to be able to be whatever it is he wants me to be to the people in my life. Yeah. So today, as we close up our time together, I'm wondering if there's somebody out there who maybe is angry at God today. Maybe they're facing something that they don't like, that they didn't ask for, that they don't feel like they deserve, and that you know, they're going to stop listening to our voices and they're going to go back to their regular life and they're just feeling stuck in that deep mud. What words would you offer to them today to encourage them to know that number one, they're not alone and number two, there's hope? I would just say, you know, there's a bigger picture in mind and you might not be able to see it right now. Your focus may be very narrow, but ask the Lord to just give you that, that bigger sense that there's a reason for it. There's always a reason for our pain and our suffering. God is not um, capricious. He doesn't just throw something into our life to go, well, let's see how you're going to handle this. Mm-hmm. It, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly why he's allowing whatever it is in your life right now. So I would just say, you know, just hold on to him, press into him, mm-hmm. ask him to reveal himself in a way to reveal his love for you to know that whatever it is, I mean, even with our own children, when we allow them to go through a hard time, when we, we don't maybe make it all better for them, we know it's because it's going to be for their good, for their growth, for their maturity. Mm -hmm. So sometimes as a parent, we have to do the hard thing and say, I have to step back from this and, you know, just let this play out. And there's times that I think the Lord will do that too, because he's growing us up. We have to remember he's maturing us into sons. You know, we're not just children of God, but he is growing us up into sonship and sonship is a different, that's a different role than just being a child. Mm. That's a place of maturity and it takes time and it's going to pretty much take heartache and humility and all these things that we've been talking about today. But we want to be, I want to be raised up into that position of, Mm -hmm. of sonship or daughtership where I'm mature in Christ and that I'm not you know, needing everything to be about me and my happiness. It's, it's so much bigger than that. And I think if we can just keep that in mind and ask the Lord, give me, just give me some perspective on this, help me see my way out. Cause right now this is making no sense. And, and I've been in that place and you've been in that place Mm -hmm. where it just doesn't make any sense. And it's like, God, and it's difficult, but you know, uh, another part of that is simply trusting that the Lord's got this, he's got you and just kind of relaxing and going, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose, you know, lose my mind over this. I'm just going to let this play out and see where you take me with it, Lord. Well, and knowing that he, we don't see his perspective. 
You know, Amen. he has a perspective. So Amen. as we talk about pressing into Jesus and really desiring him to shape us into who he has purposed us to be, what are there any resources or any um, tools that you would suggest that maybe you've found helpful as you've experienced that in your life? I mean, I think you have to find find a good Bible study. If you're part of a church, most of them are going to do some kind of Bible study or find a group in your community that, that does something, you know, where you can be around other women and men that are pressing into the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always wanted to, to surround myself with people who are further ahead than I am, yeah, absolutely. you know, in whatever area of life, just because it will provoke me to study harder or to press in a little more, just like the, the women that were such an inspiration to me in, in my, you know, younger, earlier mm-hmm. journey of being a Christian. It really made me hungry for him. Be around people who make you hungry or get in a church. If the church you're in isn't making you hungry for more of the Lord, you might want to look at another church because he, yeah. I think we always need to keep that fresh. God is changing all, not, he's not changing. He's the same, but we're seeing other aspects of him all the time. Yeah, we're learning. So to us, it seems, yeah, we're mm-hmm. just learning all the time. And I think that is really important to keep that fresh, but pressing in, try to read your Bible as much yeah. as you can, find a devotion that you love. I mean, I'm a big, my utmost for his highest fan. It's, mm. it's sometimes, I, I mean, I've been reading it for 30 years and there's still days I read it and I go, I have no clue what that means. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I can't so even imagine getting to that point. But then there's other days where I read it and I go, I get that now. I get what he's saying. It's taken me all this time. But you know, we grow in grace. We Mm -hmm. grow in grace. So find some good researches. I mean, there's great apps. There's so much stuff Mm -hmm. online. Yeah. We have no excuse not to be using some of these resources. Just listen, just put the Bible on in your car and listen to it on your phone. You know, if if nothing else, just get the word in you. Even a verse a day. Even a verse a day. Yeah whatever five minutes is you don't have to spend an hour and a half in the morning you know moms get all they get all bent out of shape (laughs) spending enough time where i'm like look five minutes in the line where you're waiting to pick your kids up. that's right take that time to pray and press in and read a little devotion you know you don't need when you're folding laundry you know it's like there doesn't have to be this big formal thing exactly well kate such a delight to talk to you today i'm so thankful and tell us where we can find you online if people want to look you up and follow what you're doing and i know you write at a lot of different places and tell us where we can find you and um about your book that you've written growing great kids sure Sure. The best place to find me is my website, katebattistelli.com. And it's kind of a quirky website because I write about God and parenting and all that. But I write a lot of recipes, too, because I love to cook. I know. And I'm, yeah, I'm big into healthy. My goal is to come find your house someday and get to eat one of your (laughs) meals. I mean, I'm I'm salivating over Instagram on a daily basis about your pictures of food. They're awesome. So find Kate on uh, Instagram if you're looking for good food pictures. And (laughs) everything is Kate Battistelli. Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, all of that. You can find me there. And, um, and yes, a few years ago, I wrote a book called Growing Great Kids. And it's uh, my husband's and my journey with our daughter. It's not, it's not a biography of Franny. It's really a parenting book on the 15 things, the intentional things we did to raise her into mm. a, a woman who would pursue the Lord with all her heart and soul, that would find out what is God's call on, you know, together we dug deep with the Lord to find out what Mm -hmm. is the call on her life and what can we do intentionally to help her fulfill that, to help her get on the path that God has called her to. So it's, it's step by step and it's our journey of raising her lots of stories about her because we only had one child, but 
Um, but there's lots of good practical tips in there and questions to ask yourself at the end of each chapter and, and mm. a prayer at the end of each chapter. So, and that's available. You can get that on Amazon, um, Christian bookstores from your website too. From my right? website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably cheapest on my website. Yeah. yeah. I love the tagline right. of that book. It says growing great kids partner with God to cultivate his purpose in your child's life. And yeah. if I don't need to read that, I don't know what else there is because <laughs> I certainly need that. And I think we all do. So thank you for being faithful to write, write that and bless us as we read and learn from what God's taught you. So, so, okay. Well, until next time, I, I sense we had, there's a whole nother set of parenting topics I could talk with you for hours on just gaining wisdom from you. But I really appreciate you coming and sharing with us your mud story and the heartache and the anger and the redemption God has done in your life as a result. And um, I just can't thank you enough for joining us. So I hope you have a great day. Thank you, Jackie. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I am so thankful for my conversation with Kate, and I hope it inspired you and gave you hope too. Kate is a wonderful, mature, and seasoned lady, and I just found her wisdom to be a cool breeze for my heart. I think the perspective she shared was so amazing, and I just feel like I'm better for having spoken with her today. May we remember that God's plans for us are so much bigger than ourselves and our own happiness, and and it's my prayer that we make it a priority, especially in the midst of our mud, when we don't understand, that we lean toward God, spend time with God, and trust that really He's got this. He really does, even if we never, ever understand. So as usual, you can find the show notes and all the links mentioned over at mudstories.com or jackiewatkins.com episode 12, including the link to Kate's website, her book, and all of her social media avenues. Again, thank you so much for listening. I know there are so many things you could be doing today, and yet you chose to be here with me listening to this podcast, and I am so glad you joined us. If any of these mud stories have inspired you or brought you encouragement over the past few weeks, I'd sure love it if you would share this podcast with just one friend. And as always, I'd be so grateful if you'd take the time to head over to iTunes at JackieWatkins.com forward slash iTunes and leave a rating or review as it will help more people to find this podcast and be encouraged too. So today, no matter what we're facing, where we've been, or what lies ahead, may we all find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. A never-ending robber fills a press upon my mind I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. 
puts a press upon my mind A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me She floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.